The weekend is here in Flushing Meadows. It's been a long summer full of hard work, and starting today, America pauses to acknowledge the end of the season. But the world's best tennis players were hard at work today. Title contenders Novak Djokovic and Coco Gauff were pushed to deciding sets, but ultimately prevailed in a clear and decisive manner. In addition, the American male contingent keeps winning. Can Francis Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, Ben Shelton, or Tommy Paul take home the hardware 20 years after Andy Roddick? Meanwhile, Carolyn Wozniacki and Serana Kirstea are rolling back the years in their pursuit of the title. Trips Tennis Talk proudly presents the 2023 United States Open Tennis Championships. Hey everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk the amateur podcast about professional tennis. U.S. Open, day five, third round edition, coming to you at 12.35 a.m. East Coast, Friday night, 9.36 p.m. West Coast. At the moment, Laszlo Jerry is up two sets to one on Novak Djokovic, but Djokovic is on a 6-1-3-1 run at the moment. Djokovic is up 3-1 in the fourth set. It feels like it's going one direction at the moment, and that would be in Djokovic's direction, but the games are getting a little bit longer, a little bit more physical, two hours and 50 minutes on the clock. In the interest of publishing this podcast at a reasonable time, I've decided to start recording now, and hopefully, as I've done in the past, waiting for Djokovic to finish, hopefully that will end at the perfectly right time here, and if not, I'll tag on something at the end to let you know that he won or lost, but let's get right into talking about what happened today at the U.S. Open. Let's start with the... Women's results from today, as usual, I will go through them, offer a little nugget, and then maybe play an audio clip, depending on the result. So this is women's third round action. Let's start with Yelena Ostapenko's win against uh, Para, 4-6-6-3-6-3, in an hour and 48 minutes. Nothing too complex on the scoreboard there. For Ostapenko, it's not like she makes the fourth round of Grand Slams all the time. Let's stop and discuss her for a moment. So she won the 2017 Roland Garros tournament for, uh, of surprise, major title. But at that point, that was over six years ago. And since then, since 2019, she's made one quarterfinal. And that was this year. In Australia, so in some ways it's already been one of her better years. She's into the fourth round here. Is Ostapenko, so that means two times this year she's gone fourth round or better in Grand Slams, and the only other time she did that was in 2017, when she made the the quarters of Wimbledon right after winning the French Open. So it's already her second most successful Grand Slam season ever. It is also her first fourth round at the U.S. Open. So now she has made the fourth round at all of the Grand Slams, has Yelena Ostapenko. She is 26 years old now. Six career titles. She's gained... Uh... Let's put it this way. In recent years, she's become less well-known for her Roland Garros title and more well-known for her on-court behavior, which is very demonstrative. It can be over the line at times, uh, meaning it can be she can be very in the face of the opponent. She can be disrespectful to the opponent. She can be yelling, shouting. She can be disrespectful to umpires. She can have... Um, very brief handshakes. She can have no-look handshakes. 
And she's also known for playing matches with crazy score lines like 6-1-1-6-6-1, love 6 7 6 7 6 So I think it's fair to say that Ostapenko is an explosive player. She's a little bit of a roller coaster of a player, both in terms of her demeanor and in terms of her results. But she gets a come-from-behind win today, so good for Yelena Ostapenko. The number 15 seed Belinda Bencic beat Zhu Lin 7-6-2-6-6-3 in 2 hours 39 minutes. Lin Zhu had just beaten Victoria Azarenka, so this is a good win for Bencic because Zhu Lin haven't seen her play that much, if at all, but she is uh, she's a good player, and that's a good win for Belinda Bencic. And kind of like Ostapenko, Bencic is one of these players that's not exactly making the fourth round of Grand Slams all the time. Um, if we look, okay, maybe the quarterfinals. In 2023, Bencic has gone fourth round, first round, fourth round, and then the fourth round here. But if you look at her career, she's been playing the majors since 2014. Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, zero quarterfinals. And at the U.S. Open, she's actually made three. And she's a match win away from a fourth now. So the U.S. Open is already her uh, best Grand Slam by far. She made the quarters on her debut in 2014. Semis in 19 and the quarters in 21. But like I said, Belinda Bencic is not one of these players that is exactly known for making really deep runs at Grand Slams. So days like today are important because it gets her into a position to be able to do that over Labor Day weekend here. Xinyu Wang defeated... Shmidlova, 4-6, 6-3-6-2, another come-from-behind win that, in the end, was pretty straightforward on the scoreboard, two hours and eight minutes. Um, For me, uh, Xinyu Wang is most known for being, I think, the only player ever that requires three letters to differentiate when you're looking at a draw, because there's a a Xinyu Wang and I can't remember, I think it's Z-U-X-I-Y-U Wong that also is in most of the Grand Slam draws these days. And this is uh, a really obscure thing because I like to type out my own draws and fill them in by hand after I type out the first round on the left side of a piece of paper. I don't like to use official printout draws. And I think that stems back from 10, 15 years ago when draws were less readily accessible. But anyway, so in a draw, it's customary to put the last name of the player and that's it. And if there's multiple players with the same last name, you differentiate them by doing a first initial period. Like Williams, S, Williams, V. Sometimes you might need to do two letters of differentiation like Pliskova. Carolina Pliskova and um, her sister, uh, Chris, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think that was K-A and K-R to differentiate the Pliskova sisters. Um, The Bondarenko twins, they were also like that. That's a throwback from 14, 15 years ago. And um, so I don't believe these two players are related. I don't actually know that for sure. But uh, X-I-N, or... Sorry, Wong, comma, X-I-N, gets the win today. Just a little bit more about her to introduce her to the audience here. She is from China. She is 21 years old. She turns 22 later this month. She turned pro in 2018. No WTA tour titles yet, but she is the Roland Garros doubles champion this year. So she could be a nice up-and-coming prospect player. Um, In singles, this is her first Grand Slam fourth round of any type. So it's definitely a big day for her. 
And in the interest of changing up who we hear from on a daily basis on the podcast here, we're going to hear from Zinyu Wang today. Maybe not who you expect. You know, she's definitely not Coco Goff in the terms of in terms of uh, press interest. But she spoke to the press for a substantial period of time today. So you know what? Let's change it up. Let's listen to Zinyu Wang for the first time. Your singles match and, and uh, bringing that out, getting that win. What was the key to? Yeah, it was a tough match out there. Yeah, obviously, I think we both played great tennis today and. Um, you know, coming into this match, I know she must be playing really good because, you know, like already passed two rounds. So, yeah, I think she was defending good today and then she was serving good. And um, for me, it wasn't um, easy, like, you know, to finish the point very fast. So, yeah, and um, I kind of just kept telling myself, you know, one point, another point. And one point at each time, so yeah, I'm happy that I won the end. In terms of um, making those adjustments and figuring out when to mm-hmm. press mm-hmm. and be aggressive and when to kind of maybe try to be a little bit more consistent, yeah. um, how how have you been able to find that balance over the course of your career? Because I know that you can play more aggressively if you wanted to, mm-hmm. um, and you when you were younger it was probably a little bit more that. But it seems like much more well-rounded balanced game now for you like you have more options yeah yeah it's a <clears throat> i mean it's a good thing to have more options you know <laughs> like before i had only one option <laughs> <laughs> but now yeah sometimes it's um you know it's a learning process you know at the beginning you have to make decisions and not every time you make the right one so yeah it's just learning from each time from your own experiences and i think matches like this really challenge like challenges you like no matter you win or lose you learn a lot from it yeah and then um if you because i I talked to julin and and junction Wen about the um kind of the evolution of of, of chinese tennis Mm -hmm. of just you know 20 15 20 years ago was a lot more north south hitting flat Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, baseline, hug it, like the Zheng Jie and all yeah, that. Yeah. And now we're seeing, as you said, one weapon is not enough. You, you need more. Can you talk about how you developed your game from kind of being a little bit more back classic style, in, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree with me, back when you were younger, to kind of where it's on its path now? Because we're seeing more variety and spin with, with all of you right now. Yeah, I think, um, uh, like, also because um, I have Sai Sai like helping me, so she because she's really good at seeing you know these um, adjustments like also on the court like from her own experience she can tell me when is you know the right time to press and when is the time to you know just to stay in the in the point. So I think um, uh, you know like. When somebody's telling you one time, two times, and then you start to learn, and then they start to become like your thinking too, like you know how to, you know, like um, see when is the right moment. Yeah. Thanks. Hi. 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 Yeah. Hello. Congrats on a great day. Thank you. Well, my question is a little more big picture. I think it's your tenth main draw at a major in singles, mm-hmm. and your first round of sixteen, which is amazing kind of fast, but I wonder for you, being a top junior and a player that probably has really high expectations in what you're capable of doing, mm-hmm. did it happen fast for you or maybe a little slow? Well, I would say um, I would like to share some of my feelings. I mean, last year has really been challenging for me. You know, I um, it's been a long year and um, actually a lot of you know I found out in the end um, like what coaches are telling you sometimes um, it's not always right it's not 100% right you need to listen more to how you feel because if he's telling you okay you need to string your racket 10 pounds tighter or he's telling you oh your racket balance is not right and then he wants to change and of course you as a young player not so with not so much experience you follow no because with the big names or you know whatever so you 
you try to follow because he say if you wanna want me to coach you, you need to believe me. So that's what I did. And then my body start to hurt, you know, because I'm playing with the racket like heavy like stone. <laughs> and then, you know, everything start to hurt and then I start to think, oh, it's like am I doing something wrong? So yeah, everything becomes, you know, emotionally and then you think it's your fault but actually it's not. So yeah, just I'm sharing this because I want more players like me, you know, like young players who's coming from the juniors to know like what you feel is the the most important thing, not what others is telling you like you need to do this this this. I'm you know, I know better than you is like educating you but actually yeah. It took uh, it took some time for you yeah. to come to this realization. Mm -hmm. Did you have help, or did you come to it all by yourself? These, this thinking that you're sharing. Yeah, I think it has to be yourself. Like you have to realize, because when you are going through this, even if somebody's like by your side telling you, okay, what they're saying is maybe not right. You need to think. But if you don't realize, then you just keep doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, no, I can please, that yet, but just in terms of now working with Sai Sai and everything, I mean, how how helpful is that? How do you and how how do you know when to trust and when to say, no, I don't think that that seems right. Like as a player, how do you balance that? Well, I think um, it just from the experience I had. So now I'm able to tell, you know, like when is the time that I stand stand out and I say how I feel I think that's always most Im most important thing also like you have um, good coaches like helping me now and yeah I'm really happy I get the good people around me now so yeah their um, ideas their like what they're telling me is very good so sometimes I also listen to their advices of course also uh, do you feel um comfortable enough to where it's a conversation yeah, yeah. from your coach, so it's not just one way. Yeah, I think that's the, the important thing. It's like a conversation. It's not like, you know, like, yeah. yes, 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 all the time, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> and if you feel you don't understand, then you ask. Yeah, like before I didn't know how to do this, but I guess like over the, you know, the time, the experience, yeah, I learned that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk more about the, the way you're playing this year? Would you say that it's, uh, it seems very solid across, I mean, I watched you at Indian Wells with a couple big wins. It seems like the results are coming more regularly. Do you, do you just generally have a lot more confidence in what you're doing out there and maybe more comfort being on tour, competing against better players? Yeah, I think this year I can be more focused on just tennis, you know, like no more of this other things around me so yeah it feels more relaxed and also um, yeah like you said with uh, more matches coming and then being more uh, familiar with these high-level players yeah and uh, just another question that I'm, I'm sure you've talked about this before but I haven't spoken with you about it the, the challenges of being Chinese and during the pandemic and maybe not being able to go home when you wanted to, how much would you say that affected you and, and how much have you been able to be home and be comfortable being home in the last few years? Or has it been an extra difficult challenge compared to the other players that aren't from China? Yeah, I haven't been home much. <laughs> maybe like a couple of weeks in like all these two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah, that's really um, strange for me because, you know, like before, we have the China season, we have the Asia season, and also, you know, like after a while, after you compete, you go back home, rest a little bit. And at the beginning, it was tough because you need to find a place to train, to whatever, but you're still traveling. Yeah, but then it gets like you, get, you got used to it, so it's a little bit easier, yeah. Of a home away from home, a place that you go to relax that isn't Shenzhen, so you somewhere else. Not really. I've been really. just a little bit like everywhere. On the road. Yeah. Forever. Mm -hmm. My last question. Um, I was wondering. You seem to like New York City a lot. Yeah, I but like New York. Yes. Compared to Shenzhen at all? Is it similar? Way different? It's kind of similar. You know, like the 
um, city, like all tall buildings, everything like new, and then always, you know, 24 hours is <laughs> it's like lights on and everything. Yeah, but um, still different. <laughs> yeah, home is home. Yeah. <laughs> started the doubles well, obviously, with the, with the chase that you guys got to win today, the yeah. tough one. Yeah. Uh, how did you guys turn that match around? It seemed like... <laughs> we are always down. <laughs> yeah, I know. All the time. It's just dramatic. Yeah. All the time with yeah. you two. But what was the key? Uh, I mean, they're playing really good. And also, I think we're a little bit like relaxed, you know, having fun in, at the beginning. Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> but yeah, it's... I mean, we just... Um, yeah, we made some adjustments, and then, yeah, we, me and Sue, you know, as always, we we believe that if we we can always come back. So yeah, I'm happy. It continues. Yeah. You know, just like they're down the set, and here they come back. Um, and then just in terms of your comfort, you know, you're you're telling Chris about. Um, you know, having to basically live out of a suitcase for the last uh, mm -hmm. two years and everything, everything that was going on with, with your previous coach and stuff like that in terms of the, the tension. Like, do you feel like, I mean, you are older now. You're still young, very mm -hmm. young. But do you feel so much more comfortable with yourself having to kind of, you've had to grow up a lot, I would mm -hmm. think, yeah. in the last couple of years um, yeah. and find yourself. Is that is that accurate? Is that how you feel? Yeah, I, I think that's how I feel. Like, um... I have to make more like my own decisions and then I think that kind of helped me grow up a lot. Yeah. What's the biggest difference <coughs> do you think between the 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 Wang Xinyu now and the Wang Xinyu like 2019, 2020? Um I think now I ask more questions. <laughs> yeah. And also it's not all the time, every time, there's maybe my fault. Like I didn't do this thing good, or maybe somebody, somebody else's like didn't. Yeah. All right, that was Jinyu Wang. Um, I enjoyed hearing her speak there. I'm glad she improved her coaching situation and is aiming to achieve more independence and seems to be achieving that independence. So good for her. And she's ranked number 25. I didn't say that earlier. So she's already approaching the top of the game at age 21. Let's listen to her official WTA pronunciation file. Here it is. My name is Wang Xinyu. Wang Xinyu. Oh boy. <laughs> I need to listen to that again because that's not how I was saying it. I might need to listen to this four times. My name is Wang Xinyu. Wang Xinyu. Oh man. My name is Wang Xinyu. Wang Xinyu. It sounds like she's saying Xinyu. Wang Xinyu. All right. And uh, there you go. Let's move on. Um, come a live update now. Um, Novak Djokovic has taken the fourth set against Laszlo Jerry. It is 12.58 a.m. now, and Djokovic has already held the first game of the fifth set. So that match is approaching its conclusion either way now. Just one more set there. Um, Serana Kirstea, just a short while ago, had a big win over the number four seed Elena Rybakina. Rybakina, 6-3, 6-7, That was a very high-level match. Didn't watch too much of it with my eyeballs, but I listened to the U.S. Open radio coverage of it, and it was definitely a, a very high-level match. You know what? Let's just glance at the stats. Let's see if the stats tell us a story here. Um, let's see. Um, actually, there was more errors than winners, but they were hitting the ball hard. We're going to go with that. Um, but that was a very good match, very high level. Serana Kirstea is one of the very few players that's left from when I started watching tennis 15 years ago, back in 2008. Um, 
Carolyn Wozniacki is also having a bit of a throwback week. So Wozniacki, so Serana Kristea, she's 33 years old. She's uh, seated 30th here, so she's still hanging on to a decent ranking. She made her one Grand Slam quarterfinal in 2009, Roland Garros, and that was also the year that Carolyn Wozniacki made the U.S. Open final. And we're going to get to Wozniacki in just a moment here, but, you know, spoiler alert, she won today. She's into the fourth round. So, uh, Serana Kirstea and Carolyn Wozniacki, two names from 2008, 2009, 2010, have made Grand Slam fourth rounds back then, and they've made Grand Slam fourth rounds here in September of 2023. So, happy for Kirstea there. For Rebecca. She has tailed off this year for sure. She started the year very strongly in uh, Australia, Indian Wells, Miami. She got ill at Roland Garros and had to pull out there, and then she lost the Wimbledon title defense. And she hasn't been as good the last couple months. So uh, she did, and we can also say officially now that Elena Rybakina did not win a Grand Slam in 2023. So at the moment, she will go into 2024 as yes, a top five, top ten player, but also still officially a one Slam wonder. So my original proclamation back from the earliest days of Trips Tennis Talk that Elena Rybakina was a one Slam wonder at the moment. I'm being proved right, and I will be uh, correct, uh, you know, into the 17, 18-month mark of having this podcast here. Um, let's, uh, let's take a quick look at the points, because I want to see where Rubakina stacks up in all of this, because she's probably out of contention for the number one ranking at this point, but I want to see exactly where she is. So in the WTA race, she is number three still. Um, she's within shouting distance of Sabalenka and Sviantek, but she's definitely in third. She's about 1,500 points behind Sviantek, and she is about 1,000, 2,000. Oh, it's very close to the top there. So she's about... 1,500, 1,600 points out of the top. She would have to uh, probably win a couple of WTA 1000 tournaments to get back in that race for number two or number one. So it looks like she's uh, in a solid number three at the moment of the big three. And I think that's an accurate statement. I think there's definitely still a big three of Sabalenka, Sviantek, Rybakina, but the way the last couple of months have gone, Rybakina's definitely number three of the three. So let's move on from that. Um, uh, Iga Sviantek blitzed uh, Yuvon today, 6-love, six 6-1 six in 49 minutes. Your typical Sviantek performance, nothing to say there. Karolina Mukova beat Taylor Townsend, 7-6, six 6-3. Six the first 12 games were an extremely high level. Then Mukova won the first set tiebreak 7-0, and then it was over from there, basically. Um, it wasn't a given that Mukova would make the second week here because she flamed out early at Wimbledon after making the Roland Garros final. So uh, Mukova, Roland Garros final, Cincinnati final, U.S. Open fourth round, that's a pretty solid run right there. Coco Goff was down 3-6, 2-3, love 15, and didn't lose another game to Elisa Mertens, 3-6, love The end of that match sort of disqualifies any concerns people may have had. If Goff can win from that position without losing a game, um, you know, it's going to take a lot to beat her this tournament. Um, you could go the other way. You could say she's being tested against these, you know, lower-ranked players. But, you know, the scoreboard says she won 6-love in the third. So was she really being tested from start to finish? No, she wasn't. 
And then Carolyn Wozniacki beat Jennifer Brady today from a set down. 4-6, 6-3, 6-1. In the end, that one was also not close. Brady has had some injuries. Hopefully she can play a full season on the tour in 2024. But for Carolyn Wozniacki, today was not a given. She could have very easily lost today because she hasn't played tennis for three years and she's not used to, you know, the rhythm of tournaments and the turnaround and being sharp in every match and all this kind of thing, avoiding off days. And that still might happen to her, but it didn't happen to her in the first week. And uh, we're going to hear from her in just a moment. But, you know, the Kim Kleisters comparisons will only get more and more intense. Just quickly, um, so the matches today, there were two, four, six, eight matches today, and six of them went three sets. And the seventh had a tie break, and then the other one was Sviantek, but... It looks like one, two, three, four players, four of the eight matches today, the winner lost the first set and came back to win in three. So this U.S. Open needed a little bit of juice, especially at the top, and uh, we got that for the first time here. All we needed to do was change the calendar over to September, right? Um, Let's check in on where we're at with Novak Djokovic here. He's up 3-love in the fifth. Oh, we got to pick up the pace here. Let's hear from Carolyn Wozniacki, the winner. I thought it was a great match. I think as the match progressed, I played better and better. Um, she came out and, and played really well and aggressive and um, went for a forehand. And I was missing, I missed a few uh, kind of layup backhands that was a little frustrating for me. But then... You know, when I was down 2-11 the second, I just decided I'm not going to miss anymore. I'm going to just start moving my feet even better and, and you know, go for my shots. And, and slowly I started chipping away and, and uh, it started going my way. And I, I felt like the momentum kind of shifted a little bit. And then um, I could see she was starting to get a little tired as well when we had the long rallies. And I was, uh, I was excited for that. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Name and affiliation, please. Andrew, go ahead. Andrew Jones, ESPN ASK. Um, Caroline, Jen mentioned that you broke her down physically uh, when she talked to us. And your depth of shot on the forehand, as well as your placement on the serve, can you talk about when you have those aspects of your game working that you're still very difficult to beat? I think so. I always had to believe in myself. And I think, um, you know, I think both my forehand and backhand are, are good shots. And, um, you know, my serve... I feel like I've won some free points, but also, you know, the placement is is more important than power for me. And so I think um, I felt physically, I felt great. It's my first three-set match um, in the comeback, and I feel great about it. Uh, My body feels perfect, knock on wood. Um, So, you know, that's a big step for me as well, because you never know how your body's going to react after, you know, so many years away from from the game and then playing a long match. But... um, I felt good. I felt like I could be out there for another few sets if I had to. Okay. Craig? Caro, Craig here, which is nine Australia. Um, you started the tournament, I think, 636. On the live rankings, you've moved up to about 230 or so. You've been in this situation before in your previous life. Um, but in one sense, has it surprised you with what you've already achieved? Um. Honestly, not really. Um, I guess I always had to believe in myself. You know, it takes a little time just to get back into the match rhythm. I, you know, I was um, practicing really well. I felt like I had a great rhythm. I, um, you know, was was working on my fitness to get back into good shape. And so all of that I knew, knowing what I've I've experienced, you know, throughout my career, I knew where I was at. And And obviously, you know, Day by day, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better, and and so would I've been, you know, surprised had I lost in the first round? No. Had I would I be surprised if I, you know, keep winning? Also, no. I I think it was just kind of a go out there, give it your best, fight your your heart out, and and if I play my best tennis, I know I'm tough to beat. So someone really has to play well, and so at this point, I'm just. Um, 
I'm just happy to be in the fourth round and anything can happen from, from now on as well. Okay, Matt. Hi, Carolyn. Matt Futterman from the New York Times. As you've been going through these last few weeks, are there things that you're seeing or experiencing that pop up that make you think, wow, I, I really miss that? Uh, obviously, you miss playing on big stadiums and big courts like that. And by the same token, are there, are there sort of headaches that come along and say, well, that was kind of a pain in the neck in this life. I forgot about that. I forgot about that and didn't miss that much, that too much. And curious what the balance is there. I don't know. I think it's a it's a different perspective for me as well because now I have the kids here. I have so much happening off the court, and I'm, it's really exciting to see cities from different perspective as well. The kids kind of force you to get out and and do something, and and you know even taking a walk or or going to a museum or or doing a few of those things, and so. That's nice on the days off, which I, I probably wouldn't have done much off in the past. And I think that also does well for me where I can recharge my batteries and, and really when I'm here, I'm 100% here, I'm focused, I, I'm ready to go. And, you know, I, I just, I love playing in front of, of a big crowd. I love playing on, on the big stadiums and, and that's exciting to me. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm still playing and, and you know, it's just, um, it's a great feeling. There, you know, you can always find things that you, you may not enjoy as much, but, but at the end of the day, it's pretty cool that I get to live my passion and, and be a mom and, and kind of wear many hats. And, and I'm very proud of that. Tamani. Tamani Kerr from The Guardian. Um, you talked on the court about, you know, making the decision to switch to just hitting back and cross course and kind of refusing to miss until you found your rhythm. I'm curious as how sharp do you feel in terms of, you know, your thought process on the court and, you know, problem solving and making decisions? Or is that something that's still kind of growing as well? No, I, I feel pretty sharp. Obviously, when I wasn't playing myself, I was doing some commentating and it's much easier to see everything from the outside than it is when you're on the court. But I think I, I learned a lot from that as well. And, and I think I'm seeing things pretty clearly. Sometimes the execution is, is maybe not perfect, but, you know, you do your best and you try your hardest and, and that's really all you can do. And um, I think the main thing is that I, I know where I need to be, I know what I need to do, and then, you know, we'll just see if I can keep keep uh, the execution up. Um, Darcy Main from ESPN.com. I remember seeing you here last year, you were out on the practice courts watching Serena. Um, I know you said that the decision to come back was obviously months after that, but did that do anything for you about making you realize how much you missed playing in front of these huge crowds? And have you talked to her at all? I know she's busy, but over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I talk to her all the time. Um, you know, she's obviously busy now as well, but we, we talk all the time. She watched my match today. Um, but you know, when uh, last year I was pregnant, I was heavily pregnant, I wanna say, what are we in September? So I was, you know, eight eight months pregnant at this point, and I was just here to support my friend. And obviously, I worked with ESPN, so I was doing, you know, a lot of the uh, the commentating and studio stuff. But I really wanted to support her in her last tournament, and that was something very special. I wasn't really thinking about my own comeback at that point. I was trying to figure out how I'm going to handle two kids. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, it's been cool that, that after James was born and I went on court and all of a sudden I go, okay, well, let's give it a try. And uh, now we're here and that's pretty special. Court. Congratulations. Um, in terms of your matches in uh, Montreal, Cincinnati, and then even your first round here, it seemed like you came off the court a little bit scratchier, like in terms of the, the play. What has been the difference because the last two matches, the level and clarity seems to have really set in? Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to expect perfection when, when you haven't played for, for a long time. So that's not what I was expecting coming into the first two tournaments and the reason why I wanted to play two tournaments leading into this. I wanted to kind of hit my peak and, and feel comfortable once I got here. but. You know, obviously having two matches in Montreal, was I was very pleased with that. I didn't play well in Cincinnati and, you know, I uh, I went back on the practice court the next day and I said, I need to I need to find what I'm looking for out there and, you know, just, you know, grinding and grinding. And, and one day I was like, wow, okay, I, I found that something. And, you know, now I just need to repeat that over and over again. And there's something about coming back to New York that, that just, I felt at home, at ease, and, and 
I practiced with the girls and played points when I got here and just kind of found my rhythm and, and found the little adjustments that I did um, technically and, and just kind of the overview. And, and as I was progressing to play points, win or lose didn't really matter, but I just wanted to feel more comfortable and I, I did so. And, you know, obviously in the first round playing someone I'd never met before, um, and playing a first round, you're a little nervous. You kind of just want to get through it. And then, yeah, I played a lot better against Petra, and then I feel like I played well today again. Right. Willie, last question in English, please. Willie Weinbaum from ESPN. Caroline, you've now advanced this far in three different decades at the U.S. Open. Ooh, that makes me feel a little old. <laughs> what is your perspective on having done that as a teenager, as a top player and now as a mom? I think that's pretty cool. I think um, if you'd asked me as a kid growing up and, and said that this was, you know, I would have done this, uh, I would have said no way, you know, to, to have the longevity, to be able to come back after having children, also to, to get far into this tournament so young. I mean, it's just something I'm, I'm very proud of and, and something that I don't take for granted. And, you know, I think when you're young, you always look into the future and you have hopes and dreams for what your career is going to look like. But for me, coming back now, I, I don't know how long I'm going to play. I get that, you know, question all the time. You know, am I going to play one year? Am I going to play five years? I, I have no idea. But all I know right now is that I'm really enjoying this moment and to be able to play in these big courts and, you know, in front of a big crowd. It's, it's something very special and something that I will never take for granted and, and something I always appreciate. Novak Djokovic is up 4-2, 30-love serving now in that fifth set. Let's talk about some of the men's results from today. Borna Goyo defeated Yuri Vesely, 6-4, 6-3, 6-2. Vesely was uh, spent from long matches earlier in the week. Borna Goyo, since you probably don't know who he is, he's 25 years old. Um... Career highest ranking outside the top 100, according to Wikipedia, as of May of this year. So that could have changed. Um, he had only played one, two, three Grand Slam matches before. One win, two losses before this week. And now he is into the uh, fourth round of a Grand Slam. So uh, how about that? A, a player with very little experience at the top of the game. I'm going to actually look up his ATP activity. I want to see what his uh, match record is. And you type in Goyo, and his he's not the first guy that comes up. So now I have to specify Borna Goyo. Um, not to be confused with Borna Chorich. <clears throat> um, he is a 6'5", currently ranked 105. And for his career at the ATP Tour level... He is two wins and nine losses. Let's get his, uh, and then at the Grand Slam level, he is one and two. So what is that, three wins at the ATP Tour level and above for Buenaguayo before this week? So that was three, right? So he had three wins in his whole career at Tour level, and now he has three wins at this U.S. Open. So, um, and he, he looked kind of, interesting too he had kind of an interesting beard and kind of like visor look um i don't have it in front of me but that picture is out there if you want it um so yeah borna goyo is in the fourth round of a grand slam and so is rinki hijikata he beat zhijin jang today six three six three four six six three Hijikata's a good guy. I believe you you might remember him from playing Rafael Nadal at the U.S. Open before, and I think he won a set in that match, but I don't have that in front of me. Um, we're not going to hear from Rinki Hijikata today, but that is a big win. It's got to be his first ever Grand Slam fourth round at singles, no? I'm just going to look that up real quick just to get that. He's 22 years old, and... Uh, uh, never been inside the top 100, another guy. And just like Goyo, uh, 
Rinki Hichikata had one Grand Slam win in singles before this week, and now he has three. So, uh, with the uh, exits of some of the higher-ranked players <coughs> early on here, that has allowed Borna Goyo and Rinki Hijikata to remain at the U.S. Open. Um, uh, Taylor Fritz beat Mensik, the teenager, 6-1, 6-2, 6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-6-
and uh, obviously being at home here on a hard court, I feel pretty comfortable. Okay. Willie. Willie Weinbaum from ESPN. When you think of your style of play and Tommy's, how would you describe that contrast and what you think the keys to the match are? Yeah, I think that, you know, he's he's a guy who has every shot in the book, um, a great athlete, great mover, um, amazing defensive skills, but can also play offense. Um, I think that he's a really savvy tennis player, um, uses his uses his brain a lot on court to, to beat his opponent. And I think that, you know, I have some of the similar qualities, a uh, little bit more of a bigger ball hitter or server. He places the serve, uh, spins it more, still has a great serve and hits a lot of aces. But I think that the way we go about things is a little bit different. And then how would you describe the grind, the physical and mental grind there is to advance in the majors and what you're experiencing as a result? Yeah, I think that every time that you get a win at a major, it's like a, a big relief um, and uh, a, a big moment always to get through a three out of five set match. So it takes a lot out of you uh, emotionally and physically. Um, the days here at the U.S. Open tend to be pretty long. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're staying in the city, it's it's not close. Um, and so being here, you know, pretty much nine to five or today nine to nine. Uh, yeah, the, it definitely adds up. But I think that, you know, you get a day off in between each singles match. And, you know, I'm only 20 years old, so I don't think I, I can be complaining about the physical toll yet. Chris. Congrats on you and Chris Autumn. Thanks. I'm curious if you look back to Australia and facing Tommy, what, what do you think it was that gave him the edge over you in that match? Yeah, I think that that was a match where, you know, I was a little unsure of what to expect. Um, I hadn't really been in that situation before. <laughs> Quarterfinals of a, of a Grand Slam on Rod Laver, uh, Pack Stadium. You know, I think that I panicked a little bit, uh, pressed, you know, early in the match, and... Uh, and he kind of got on top of me and was the front runner from there. Um, so I hope to do a little bit better job of that this time around. Hi, Ben. Tamani Kawa from The Guardian. Uh, just wondering how you talked about being a big, big hitter and having your weapons. Well, what have you found you have to do in order to hit through kind of the best defenses consistently uh, like, like a player like Tommy Paul? Yeah, I think it's not about always, you know, hitting through uh, the guy that you're playing. I've kind of found that being out here on tour, everyone's really good at hitting the ball. Um, if you hit it hard, you hit it at the same speed, guys guys can play, and they can play really well. And so I think that, you know, having some variety and, and mixing things up is something that's important for me and my game style. Okay. Hey, congratulations, Aki, from uh, Magazine. So uh, last year at this point, you have never played tennis outside of U.S. And uh, this year you have been in different countries, different continents. And you just said that uh, major other Grand Slams, a major tournament made you tough. So uh, can you more specifically, that what did you learn from playing in uh, different countries? And uh, how do you feel comfortable with in, uh, playing in the U.S. again? Yeah, I, I think that I did a really good job this year of, you know, playing as many tournaments as I could, going to as many places as I could. And now I kind of have a feel for, you know, the places that I love, maybe the places I don't love to play so much um, and what type of schedule, you know, I want to put together in the future that suits me the best. So I, I think that. You know, you don't want to play every single week or, you know, take too long off. I'm someone who likes to be playing matches, but I also think that it's important that you have some time off to do, you know, training blocks or just decompress at home. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. I've kind of figured out the things that I like and, and, and how to find that right balance. Bill. Congrats. Well done. Bill Simons inside tennis. Um, tennis is a a game, a sport that teaches so many lessons, sort of gives you a lot of messages. From playing all the collegiate tennis and now early into your pro career, a tough question, but what do you think the sport has taught you the most uh, as a young man, one or two lessons? Deep question. Um, you know, I think that 
playing collegiate tennis and professional tennis now, um, there's big differences. I think that being able to be in college and play for something bigger than myself, uh, be selfless, you know, care about my teammates, um, know how to, you know, lift up people around me and not everything be about myself. I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned. Um, it's easy to be self-centered out here on this tour. Everything revolves around the players. You know, you have team a, a team around you, and uh, it, it's easy to become self-centered. And I think that's something that's really important for me is to make sure that, you know, I'm still being a, a good person and, you know, saying thank you to the people who hold the door and, and the security guards who take us around the site, um, people who serve us the food here. So I think that college taught me uh, a lot about you know being a better person and and being good to the people around me, not just you know focusing on myself and my own success or personal gain. Okay, two more, Chris, Andrew, you have the last question, Chris. Been on court after your singles win, you talked a little bit about um, your serve, maybe having some struggles, and then thanking Big John Isner for helping you get out of it. I just was curious, what's the difference between Ben Shelton and a little bit of a service slump and Ben Shelton? having a perfect serving day like you did. Like, what was the mechanical? Is it location? Yeah, I, th I think it's a little more mental. I mean, obviously, the mental affects the physical. But um, for me, it's getting into a state where I, I feel fluid in my service games, like just the rhythm of how I'm walking up to the line. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but I'm kind of in this flow state when I'm serving well, and I'm not even thinking. And then I realized at the end of the game, like, wow, I, I put that together well. Maybe not focusing so hard on um, how hard I'm hitting the serve or really trying to hit a perfect spot or even go for an ace. But um, the more, you know, calm, relaxed, and kind of free I am in my service games, I serve a lot better. And, and I've been holding serve a lot lately. Uh, I just... I knew that I had another gear that I could go to that I've seen in myself before, and I saw a little bit of that in myself today. Okay. Andrew. Speaking of that, sir. That Andrew. Sorry. You, Andrew, too. Huh? <laughs> Andrew, I can always from the ATP. Um, what did Dad have to say about 147? Dad, you know this. Dad's always upset when, when I go for the bombs. Uh, he was saying to me after the match, he's like, "I know you looked at the at the clock. <laughs> it looked right at it after." And then you know they were they had a uh, little I guess statistic up on the screen of fastest servers of the tournament. And he was like, "I know you were looking up at that too to see that you were number one on the leaderboard." So he gave me a hard time about it. All right, and that was Ben Shelton. It's match point for Djokovic here. He hasn't closed it out yet, and it looks like he's going to in a second here. The internet scoreboard says he's won already, but I'll wait for it to appear on my TV screen here. Let's see. You might be able to hear it in the background. There you go. Novak Djokovic is your winner. He comes back from two sets to love down for the eighth time in his career. It was never really in doubt today, but he beats Laszlo Jerry 4-6, 4-6, 6-1, The match finished at about 1.32 a.m. New York time. All right, there's a couple more things I want to get to before I sign off here. First, let's hear from Dominic Stricker a new cast member potentially in tennis, the young Swiss player after his back-to-back uh, -back emotionally draining five-set wins. Here's Stricker. Um, feels great, you know. Uh, again, very, very long match today. But I'm um, just super happy right now to be through. Um, I played, uh, I would say, not my, my best tennis today, but it's like these matches... Uh, are always tough to win, but so um, I'm just super happy to to win that match and uh, to be in the next round. Okay, very good. Andrew? And Andrew Jones, ESPN and Skate. Dominic, congratulations on this achievement for you to be fourth round at a slam. Just describe the emotions that you feel. And if you've heard from Stan Wawrinka here representing for the Swiss flag, 
with you in a place that you've never been in before. Yeah, it feels great. Um, feels amazing actually to be in a in a fourth round for the first time in my life. I'm just um, super happy. You know, the the week, the qualifying week wasn't easy. I saved match point in the in the second round, so uh, we were choking actually a bit. That uh, some good stories happen if you if you save match points, and now being in the in the fourth round, it's I would say it's it's kind of a story. But um, yeah, it's just just great, you know, and also to be here with uh, with the other Swiss players like uh, like Stan and Belinda playing now. It's just uh, just great. And is Zita gonna let you have some chocolate um, or just? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Maybe uh, I can get some chocolate today. I can also ATP. Uh, obviously, you've been focused on your tennis and everything, but how have you been sort of, as this moment's been happening for you, how have you been spending your time like, back at the hotel or when you've had free time? Like, How have you been mentally getting away from 24-7 full focus on this? I think I'm just enjoying the moment right now. I'm spending a lot of time with my team off court, you know, going for dinner together, going for lunch. Uh, Going to to see some some stuff in the city. Um, we went to the Michael Jackson uh, musical earlier um, this week. So um, yeah, just in, enjoying enjoying as much as I can uh, to see the city and then just uh, focus on tennis whenever I I have to. Obviously, you've played a lot of matches at this point, making a deep run in the tournament. How do you? Obviously, you're happy, but how do you sort of stay grounded and say, hey, I want to keep going in the tournament? Yeah, I think that's just uh, that's just me. How I've ever been to stay grounded. Um, I'm I'm super happy right now, you know, with this fourth round. But um, it's not over, as you said. The tournament goes on. So um, yeah, I'm just gonna gonna do the best to to be in a good shape for the for the next round. happened to the video here it's still going maybe the audio cut out or something hang on uh, that's very weird it's seven minutes of a blank video let me refresh the page here um feels great what happened to the sound the US Open posted an incomplete video so he's talking, and then at the three-minute mark of a ten-minute video, it cuts out, and he doesn't talk anymore, and it's blank the rest of the time. Okay, whatever. Anyway, that was uh, Dominic Stricker. All right, you hang on one moment. Let me mute my television here. Okay, all right. Okay. Headphones back on. Okay. Microphone. Here we go. I'm keeping that in. Okay, so last uh, bit. Let's look at the schedule for tomorrow, Saturday, September 2nd. Third round action. Here is what we have. Uh, okay. All right, we're going to go in reverse order here. Court 17, 11 a.m. start. Daria Kasatkina versus Greet Minin, followed by Matteo Arnaldi versus Cameron Nori. Then there's a doubles match. Then at 5 p.m., Alex Damonar versus Nicholas Jerry. Grandstand Court, 11 a.m. start. Michael Moe versus Jack Draper. Arthur Rinderneck versus Andre Rublev. Then Coco and Pagula doubles. 6 p.m., Katie Bolter versus Peyton Stearns. Louis Armstrong Stadium, 11 a.m. start. Arena Sabalenka versus Clara Burrell. Madison Keys versus Ludmilla Samsonova. Yannick Sinner versus Stan Wawrinka. If Stan shows up, that could be a five-set classic, or it could be Sinner, 4-4-5. Four, four, Arthur Ashe Stadium, 12 p.m. start. Carlos Alcaraz versus Daniel Evans. Followed by Jessica Pagula versus Elena Svitolina. 
Let me just count this up here to make sure I got 16. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I'm missing one. So there's a singles on a different chord out here. Yeah. So court five, third match on court five. Uh, Kinwen Zhang versus Lucia Bronzetti. That's kind of unfair to put them out there all by themselves. All right, your night matches for September 2nd. Louis Armstrong Stadium, 7 p.m. Alexander Zverev versus Grigor Dimitrov. And on Arthur Ashe, Anz Jabor versus Marie Bushkova. And your nightcap matches. Ekaterina Alexandrova versus Marketa Vondrosova. And Daniil Medvedev versus Sebastian Baez. Now, viewing note... Tomorrow is college football, so ESPN 1 will have college football tomorrow. So all the tennis tomorrow, it's on ESPN 2 all day tomorrow, and they come on at the proper time, 11 a.m. So 11 a.m. Eastern on on September 2nd, the uh, tennis comes on ESPN 2, and it's there all day and all night for Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Trips Tennis Talk. Thank you for listening, and we will do it again next time. Ding! Oh, yeah, and um, let's see. Real quick, we got to catch up on some birthdays. Um, Happy birthday, Madeline. Happy birthday, Bonnie. And happy birthday to Kevin Saxon. And uh, there you go. All right. In just a few days' time, the fall...